Hey everyone and welcome back to Cutting Through the Noise. Today we talk economic development for digital marketing. Uh, a really cool kind of change of pace from our destination marketing episodes one through five. This episode dives deep into business and economic development as it pertains to really B2B marketing. Uh, Sean and I, we chat about long tail conversions, we talk about customer acquisition, and we talk about what it looks like for tourism companies to partner with economic development firms. We hope you enjoy the episode and let us know what you think. And we're back with Cutting Through the Noise, Economic Development Edition. Sean, how's your day? Good so far. Howdy, folks. Here we are. So, Sean, today we're talking economic development. We've been talking a lot about destination marketing in the acquisition, activation, retention, referral, and finally the conversion phase. Um, but today we wanted to mix things up and talk about economic development because we do see a lot of overlap between tourism and business development for a city. Of course, when a company from out of state is thinking about moving to your state or moving to your city to open up a business, they're probably going to want to know not just what's the tax climate, but also what cool things are there to do in your city. Yeah, I mean, when you think about you know, this is very much a sort of B2B marketing you know, as opposed yeah. to kind of the B2C we've been talking about um, throughout the season, but you're still showcasing what makes your spot better than anywhere else. And right. So the same way that if you're, you know, promoting um, a safari for your, uh, you know, destination marketing company, um, your tourism company, you want to show the visuals, you want to show the why, the what, um, and kind of the same thing with um, economic development. You really got to use your visuals and kind of work on converting people sort of that way by the benefits. Um, unfortunately, it's just a little bit different because it is a little bit longer of a conversion window. Yeah, people in January aren't looking for to move their business in May, like people in January looking for spring break destinations in May. Um, we've worked with a couple firms in on the economic development side, and we're always just pleasantly surprised when the tourism organizations of those cities come out with really cool marketing assets that we can use videos images stories testimonials and we in a lot of cases there's just great camaraderie great partnerships between those two that allow um, some really cool overlap sharing of posts uh, we even did a video for an economic development firm here in Montana and it got a ton of traction when uh, the tourism companies started sharing it the local chamber of commerce was sharing it. It just became this sort of rally cry for this is an awesome place to be. And people looking at that location from out of state would think, yeah, that looks really awesome. Yeah, one of the hardest things to do is really brag about yourself when you got a lot going on. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of nice to have one person sort of set that, and then by sharing it, you're kind of bragging without really bragging. Right. You know, and it, it's nice to see sort of that overlap there. Because, you know, when it comes to economic development, Everybody's in it for the same thing, you know. It's growing the growing the city, growing the town. Whether it's getting tourists in there or getting people to, uh, you know, put down roots for their businesses. Yeah. When you think about personas of an economic development firm when they're getting ready to launch marketing campaigns, it is pretty different than the than the tourism companies might be thinking, or that the destination marketing firms might be targeting. Uh, in some cases, you're targeting site selectors, which is sort of this seems like an archaic model where you're targeting people, consultants whose job it is to recommend locations. So you can do those things on LinkedIn. But you're also targeting decision makers of organizations, um, entrepreneurs with companies, you know, maybe of less than 50 people. 
decision makers of companies over 50 people who might be in charge of selecting those sites or uh, doing due diligence for new locations or business expansion. So the same way that we've talked about segmenting communication to different travelers, oh, travelers ages 35 to 45, travelers traveling for spring break, you want to think about those same tactics when you're doing uh, economic development marketing. Um, any tips for, I know that one of the things we talked about before going live here um, was customer relationship managers or client relationship managers, CRMs, something that we haven't talked a lot about in our destination marketing series, but what tips do you have for folks uh, on the B2B side or on the economic development side when they're figuring out how do we manage important contacts? We have this person from a one-person company, a solo entrepreneur that wants to move to our city, and then we have this VP from a company of 500 that's considering relocating their business here. Like, do you treat those equal, and how do you manage that? Yeah, I mean, you know, the big thing about economic development, regardless of the persona, is just the education piece of it. You know, we talked about that a little just in terms of sort of the retention piece where, you know, somebody leans in, submits a form, you've got to educate them, you got to keep the information flowing. I think, you know, the important thing here is that you are going to have drastically different personas, mm -hmm. um, like you said, as opposed to maybe just a tourism agency. So whether you're using, you know, a MailChimp or a HubSpot, you know, really um, segmenting and tagging everybody that that comes into you um, that you collect, you know, whether it's at a trade show or, or through a form on the website, but really tagging them and identifying that persona mm -hmm. so that when you are starting to send out email communication or when you're kind of doing follow-ups via phone, you kind of know your, your messaging. You know, when you have the person that, you know, has 10 employees, you're not going to have the same sort of pitch to them in terms of relocating as you would to somebody that, you know, has 500 employees. Yeah. So being able to kind of keep those people in their own categories um, mm -hmm. within your CRM really helps you dial in um, your communication. And it really makes the sort of automated kind of drip campaigns that we've talked about via email even more effective because they do feel personal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about you know, insurance for small businesses in the state of Montana or taxes. And those sorts of very specific numbers related financial things are going to be vastly different based on the persona. Mm -hmm. So making sure you very clearly know which bucket everybody falls into is, is key. Yeah, if you're talking about, we have great rail systems here, and they're like, we're a software company. Right. You want to make sure to differentiate those two. Right, and, and it kind of helps, you know, people self-identify. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we do kind of surveys, you know, have people kind of hit us back with sort of filling out almost like a personality quiz so we can really put them in a specific area. Yeah. You know, a lot of times it's based on company size or budget for purchasing something, but, you know, it also could be, you know, industry-based. It reminds me of a study done by Thumbtack.com. They're like a contracting software, sort of like uh, Angie's List or a lot of products that have tried to match homeowners with contractors. You need a roofer, come to Thumbtack. Uh, and they did a study about the length of, uh, of a form on their website. So people have probably heard us talk about, you know, hey, create a really seamless path to conversion. The fewer the forms, the higher percentage of people that are going to fill out that form. In economic development, in our experience, you know, we've seen a lot of low-quality leads come in when we don't ask a lot of questions. So email, name, and maybe where you're from. 
And then it's the role of the economic development firm to follow up with those people, put them into a CRM like HubSpot or Salesforce, and figure out, okay, how are we going to nurture this lead? That becomes really difficult when you're only presented with three fields. Hey, Tim, it's, you know, it's Kyle from economic development firm X here in Austin, uh, or Austin economic development firm. Um, we saw that you submitted a form like, oh, yeah, I, I did that accidentally. And so the leads become tough, and your time, which is valuable, becomes wasted following up on these leads. The answer, back to sort of what Thumbtack did, is they were experiencing, okay, you're, you're a homeowner, you need a roofer. So all of a sudden you get 50 roofers apply for your job. Like, well, how do I know which one of these is quality? So they had sort of a volume problem. Um, and even those, if, if they said, okay, I need a plumber, and they got two plumbers, it would be really unqualified or far away, or their budgets were off. And so what they did was they added form fields. So they basically said, what is your, they asked the homeowner, what's your budget, all these things. And then when they recruited homeowners or when they recruited contractors to bid on that job, they would ask very long forms. Because if you're going to take the time to fill out a form, if you're a plumber or a roofer, and they say the budget for this project is three to 5000 they're sort of opting into that check. And then they complete it, the match rate and the the quality of leads just improved so tremendously that um, I think to this day they still sort of use really heavy and cumbersome forms because it weeds out anybody that's not really serious at this stage. And that might be considered like a, a really important conversion. How many people can you get to lean into your business? Uh, and it helps you follow up. But in business to business and in economic development, the sales cycle is much longer. And so you have to think, are there ways that we can have people lean in where they don't necessarily want to talk to us just yet, but they want maybe a white paper on our city. They want to download our video guide to uh, starting a business in Austin. And I think when you're, when you're approaching a project like this, um, you know, you really want to ask yourself, like, which are the, what are the key questions that are going to inform that segmenting in the CRM or in MailChimp? And one of those might be, like, what's your timeline? When are you thinking about, you know, how urgent is this? Or what would you like to do next? Do you want to speak with somebody? Yes or no? You want us to just send something? Yeah, that's all I need right now. And then you can set up triggers and, and, you know, we can help with that. Or there's plenty of courses out there that can help you set up sort of robust HubSpot accounts that help remind you, follow up with this lead from Denver that was looking to move to Austin in six months. Yeah, it's just really about knowing your, your customer, so to speak, even on the B2B side. I mean, when you're looking to get somebody to book a flight, um, you know, and they need to submit a form to, you know, get information on that, you don't want mm -hmm. there to be the 15 fields. Um, but, you know, moving your business is kind of a big deal. Um, and so somebody that's just going to willy-nilly fill out a form um, probably isn't going to even be worth worth the time. And you, know, you, you think about the conversion. Um, you know, in some cases, it's going to be quantity. You want to sell as many widgets as possible. But in this case, you know, getting three leads that two of them speak to you or return your emails, calls, or texts, as opposed mm -hmm. to getting 15 and nobody, um, is kind of important. So you kind of need to think about that just as you're putting sort of the marketing infrastructure into place. Yeah. Yeah, it can really move the needle. Because at the end of the day, it's sort of like, We've worked with colleges, and if they get one international student to attend their university, that's a big deal. They can spend a lot of money in ads in the acquisition stage to do that. The same is true in economic development. You can 
you can deploy a lot of resources online and tracking it, of course, back to which leads were generated, what happened to those leads. But um, for the return on investment of getting a DirecTV to open up a call center or moving a business to your location, uh, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, and but you also have to keep in mind that, like I've been saying, it's not going to happen instantly. Right. Um, you know, we work with an e-commerce client. You know, I have an email going out in about an hour. Um, one minute after that goes out, we're going to start getting notifications that people are buying stuff. And, yeah. You know, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. We can immediately see the ROI. We can report that back. Clients making money. You know, we're getting buzzing alerts all over the place. We're excited. Um, mm -hmm. But when you're talking about the long tail conversion, you need to, you know, keep in mind you're not going to necessarily see that financial return, you know, until the end. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of setting up <clears throat> benchmarks and micro conversions to make sure that you're, you know, that your marketing is working in the sense that you are moving people through the funnel. Right. <clears throat> right. They start with you. They they move on. They ask for more information. Maybe they, they visit. Right. And or you know, they're downloading the white paper you mentioned and kind of setting up those benchmarks to say, we want to make sure that 40% of everybody that enters this email automation is going to download the white paper. Yeah. And we want to make sure that of that 40%, 50% then watch the video, things like that. So at least you're not in a stagnant state. You don't know at that time, is this person going to move their business here? You know, time will tell on that. But at least people engaging with your marketing yeah. um, tells you that, you are moving in the, the right direction. Right. Yeah, and have fun with it. You know, provide value, provide those that tax information that Sean was mentioning, but also include the, the tourism stuff that we've been talking about for the last five episodes. Include those fun videos, include the social proof, include the testimonials of people that move there, because behind every decision maker is likely a family or their employees have teams of people they're bringing with them. And so it's important to remind them that this destination it makes sense on a spreadsheet but it also makes sense from a lifestyle standpoint yeah i like that too just because you think about you know maybe the person that's thinking about moving their small business there you know their spouse is invested in that and their kids yeah. are, are invested in that and kind of painting this as you know this is not a business decision this is a life decision mm -hmm. um can kind of set you apart as opposed to just being like you know we have this infrastructure and this water and you know all that kind of stuff can make it seem a little bit dry and it just about business when, yeah if you're just moving for the sake of moving then you really don't need to move at all what tips do you have for economic development firms when they're looking to collaborate with tourism companies and destination marketing firms um i think you know being sort of really transparent with kind of your goals i think is important um you know especially like we've been talking about you know it just may take one person moving to your, uh, to your city in a quarter for it to be good. I think setting those expectations are important um, mm -hmm. just for both sides, not with, you know, we were talking about this episode, you mentioned instant gratification and, you know, we kind of just talked about that in terms of, you know, selling products, but everybody being on the same page in terms of, okay, what is the end goal here? Um, yeah. And I think also sort of um, trusting the marketing firm to do what they do best as it pertains to, you know, getting um, leads, producing content, all those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, knowing that some of it still is going to require that phone call from you to the potential, um, potential. Yeah, you got to close client. that loop. Exactly. 
Um, so there's kind of a, it really much more so than a lot of other kind of firms we work with. It is a, a partnership mm -hmm. in the sense of, you know, everybody's kind of contributing. And I think having that comfort level and is important. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought of an idea. Um, my time in higher ed, we would, from time to time, include, like, here in Missoula at the University of Montana. So Mo Missoula, Destination Missoula, is our sort of marketing uh, shop here. Or not marketing, tourism shop here. They'll promote Missoula to people all around the world. Um, we asked if we could include a University of Montana brochure or packet in their sort of in their pack that they send out to potential visitors. So they'll have things to do in Montana, things to do in Missoula, but then they'll also have, oh, you should visit the university. I think there's opportunities for economic development firms to piggyback on that idea to say, oh, something that we hear in Missoula, you know, oh, how did you, how did you land in Missoula? Well, I came here on a family vacation, fell in love with the place, and then had to move my business here, or had to, had to move here. And that's an opportunity. So if you get a lot of visitors, some of those people might be business owners, and some of those people might be decision makers who are looking for a new place to land. And so don't, don't uh, count those, those people out as yeah. potential leads. Yeah, I mean, that's like when we started, you know, you're just selling the, the place and the land and the people, you know, as much as you are the, the business benefits. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's always leads out there. Yeah. Um, so recognize that. I think that is important. Cool. Sean, anything else for the good of the order in economic development world? No, it's, it's kind of neat to talk about one week talking about uh, floating down the river, hitting up Costa Rica to see the monkeys, and then economic development. That's just a kind of neat way that kind of digital marketing kind of ties in together and what makes our jobs interesting because we're always sort of, you know, working with a different uh, type of client, different medium, but um, yeah. all the tactics can still still apply. Yeah, and I think the Venn diagram of destination marketing and business economic development marketing, there's big overlap, Absolutely. which is maybe untapped in a lot of areas. So hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you learned something. And thus concludes Cutting Through the Noise, Destination Marketing slash Economic, economic development. development Edition.